Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. Our sacred story reading comes from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, I'm just going to pause right there for a second. Sometimes we read scripture and we just kind of just read it like in a monotone voice in our head. But if you imagine her brother's died, he's been in the grave. There's a whole bunch of people mourning with them. They've been sitting together. Uh, The Jewish practice is called sitting Shiva. It's where you just gather with the family for a week long. And so they're in the middle of sitting Shiva with each other. And she hears that Jesus is coming, the one who she's put her hope and her trust in. And so when she says... Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She probably didn't just say that casually, right? She probably said that with a little bit of energy. Like, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of God. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even when they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. So as I mentioned, we are in a series that we have called I Am, the I Am Statements. In the book of John, there are seven of these statements throughout the book. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. And so we've been navigating our way through the book of John, looking at these statements. And although this one comes in chapter 11 and two more come in chapter 14 and 15, we saved this one for Easter, obviously. And so we are going to be looking at the idea of what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And we're going to be doing it by diving into this story of Mary and Martha losing their brother, Lazarus. Before we get there, I want to talk for a second about playing chess with my son. So as I mentioned before, uh, we have family game night and we like to play games as a church community. And we invite you to do so next Sunday at five o'clock in the fellowship hall. 
at our house, almost every single night, we play chess. My seven-year-old loves, loves, loves playing chess. Every time he sits down to play chess, he says, I'm going to beat you, Dad. Every single time. And every single time I beat him. Um, my wife, not so much. She got unlucky the other night. She was like, I can't believe it happened, but it did. Um, it was awesome. He was so proud. Um, but when you play chess, for, most of you have probably played chess or understand the idea of chess. There's, there's pieces on the board. They can move different ways. There's a king on the board that you're trying to capture the other person's king. And the, the thing about the king is that the king can't move very much because the king can only go one space at a time in any direction. But the best piece on the board is what? The queen, just like in real life. The queen is the one that can do all the fun stuff, right? All the fun stuff. And so if the king is in check, it's called, for those of you that haven't played, if the king is in check, you have to move the king or put a piece in the way of the king attacking because you can't let your king get captured. You, like, you have to be able to save your king. That's what you have to be able to do, even if it means sacrificing the queen or a bishop or a rook or a knight or whatever or a pawn. doesn't matter. You have to save the king. And so most of the time, I manipulate the board because I'm, I'm not bad at chess, but I'm also not great at chess. I'm better than a seven-year-old, barely. And so I can usually manipulate things to get more pieces than him, and then ultimately I end up victorious. But there was this one time where my son was thinking about three or four moves ahead. And for a seven-year-old, that's really, really, really good. And so he's, he's looking at the board, and he makes this move, and he puts me in check. And I look at it, and I'm like, hmm, if I move this way, I'll get myself out of check. If I move this way, I'll get myself out of check. I'm going to do this one. And as soon as I did it, he wham, slammed a bishop right into my queen. and was like, got it. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, ooh, dad, I'm going to win. And I was like, oh, no, now I'm playing. And so I took him out. Anyway, the point of the story, the point of the story is not that my son will one day beat me in chess because he will. The point of the story is that there are times when we play a game with someone, when we are having this competition where we do something and they think they know what they're doing. And then suddenly the tables turn and they twist and it's like, ha ha, got it. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I never saw that coming. Are you kidding me? And it's like, wow, what a, what a move. Like, that was so great. I never saw it coming. Sometimes I think that's what we do with the cross and resurrection, that evil has this idea that if we can just kill Jesus, it will end everything. It will end this revolution of love. It will end this revolution of justice. It will end this whole thing that's been going on with this Messiah guy walking around, healing people, like causing more food to come than just what's presented to him. He's doing all these things. He's saying like audacious things like love your neighbor. And he's saying things like love your enemy and pray for those who are persecuting you. I mean, remember, he's telling this to people who are occupied by a foreign empire. And he's saying all these crazy things. They're like, you know, if we can just get rid of this guy, it'll solve all of our problems. And it's sometimes, I feel like we tell the story as if God's got this like, if they do that, then I can do this. Watch the resurrection happen. And it's almost like a trick that God has up his sleeve. And I get it. I get it. I get that sometimes we want to see it that way, as if the resurrection is God being like, ha ha, tricked you. You thought that was going to work, but it didn't. Jesus is coming back. I just, it bothers me a little bit that God would want to trick humanity, that God would want to almost fool us into doing something. 
I think it's actually deeper than that. I think it's, I think it's bigger than that. I think there's something more dynamic going on in Scripture than just God being like, oh, you thought you won? Now I got your queen. I don't think it's that simple. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians that I think gets overlooked, but it's a dynamic verse. If there is no resurrection of the dead, Paul writes, then Christ has not been raised. If there is no such thing as the resurrection of the dead, then Christ himself would not have raised. Why do I even bring this up? Why share that? Obviously, it's about resurrection, but why share that verse? I think that death and resurrection are the divine pattern. I think that's how this whole thing operates. I think that that is how the world goes around, that things die so that other things resurrect, that things pass away in order for there to be resurrection. I mean, for goodness sake, we all live in Minnesota, right? We watch the planet around us basically die off, and then we get the glory and the beauty of it all melting and coming back. There's a rhythm and a flow to creation that says death and resurrection are possible. We see this all the time. We bury a seed in the ground, and then we watch it spring forth. We get to see death and resurrection all around us all the time. It's the pattern of existence. So I don't think that when Christ dies on the cross and then comes back, it's kind of like God being like, oh, you thought that was going to work. Instead, I think God's like, I've been telling you this all along. You knew this was going to happen. Like Jesus was saying it all the time. Don't worry, I'm going to come back. Don't worry, I'm going to come back. I'm going to die. I have to die, but I'm going to be coming back. I'm going to come back. And they kept ignoring it. They kept laughing it off. Peter was like, we would never let that happen to you. And then as soon as it was about to happen, Peter's like, I'm out. Right? He just runs. We know. God knows. This is the way God orchestrated things. This is the way God set up the whole thing. And some of us are thinking, yeah, well, I haven't seen anyone rise from the dead. You're right. You haven't. And although we have a story of Lazarus coming back to life, because Jesus in that story is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, that isn't something that we see all the time. It's not something that we walk around and be like, hey, you were dead last week. Good to see you again. You know, welcome back. You must be a Christian. Like, that's not how the thing works. We know that. But we also, we also have been around people who have been heading in a trajectory that we know is not going anywhere close to healthy. We know where that trajectory leads. We've watched that trajectory in other lives. We've seen that trajectory just obliterate people. We've seen it be devastating. And then suddenly they turn and they head in a new direction. They get into a healthier relationship. They get into a community. They find someone that encourages them. They find someone that invests in their life. They get attached to something healthy and suddenly they're heading in a new direction and it's like, whoa, how did your life turn around? And you're watching a resurrection happen right there. Some of you have had relationships where it's been so hard and so damaging, you've thought to yourself, man, this has been going on for 30 years and there's no way this is recovering. There's no way this is recoverable. And it does. And then there's a conversation and there's a little bit of time and there's a follow-up, and then there's a letter written, or there's a note sent, or there's a text message that goes out, and suddenly there's a wall that gets knocked down a little bit, and you start to see over the fence a little bit, and then that wall gets a little bit lower, 
and you end up inviting them over for dinner. And suddenly you're having dinner around the table and you're laughing about old times and you're creating new times and it's something beautiful and dynamic. It's the resurrection of a relationship. We see this pattern in our lives. We see this pattern in the world and we see this pattern in Christ. Now here's the thing. It would be great if every situation resurrected. It would be great if every relationship resurrected. It'd be great if every disease had a resurrection type moment. It doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen this side of heaven. It doesn't always happen in the way that we want it to. And so we have to place our trust that God is not done with whatever story we are living. Whatever story we're in the midst of, we have to trust that God is at work in that story. Because if we fail to believe that, if we fail to trust it, then the trajectory is despair. The the trajectory is not life-giving. The trajectory is give up. And we can't give up. We can't give up for our neighbor. We can't give up for our kids. We can't give up for the future generations. We can't give up because heaven is supposed to meet earth and we're supposed to participate in that. Christ calls us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we believe in the prayer of Jesus that heaven is supposed to meet earth, that this is supposed to look more and more like heaven, then we can't give up that resurrection can happen. Even if it doesn't happen in me, that it will happen because I participated in God's kingdom. I participated in love. I participated in justice. I didn't see the justice. I didn't see all the love, but I am trusting that through me, God is at work, that something good can come. In the I am statements of Jesus, as I mentioned, the resurrection of Jesus, this idea of I am the resurrection, kind of finds itself right in the middle. So we see I am the bread of heaven from John chapter 6. We see I am the light of the world from John chapter 8. We see I am the gate, I am the good shepherd from John chapter 10. And then we see I am the resurrection and the life. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting placement because you would think resurrection is the crowning moment of the whole list. Like why wouldn't Christ save this one for the end? Like, I'm all these things, and I'm the resurrection. Woo! It'd be like the, like the way to end. It's like, you know, when, I don't know, when your favorite band plays your favorite song right at the end of the concert, and it gets a crowd on their feet, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing in my life. Right? I mean, how many of you have been to that concert and had that moment? Like, I know I have, and it is euphoric. It's so fun. You would think that as John's writing this gospel, he would save the resurrection for the very end. Like, this is it, people. The resurrection's the best. Like, as soon as you get to the end of this book, you're going to be going, woohoo, resurrection. Instead, he's like, ah, chapter 11. I got like six, seven more to go, eight more, nine more to go, actually. There's 21 chapters, 10 more to go, right? So he puts it right in the middle of the book. I think it's actually really intentional. I think John's trying to tell us a story with these I am statements. I think what he's trying to say is that when Christ says, I am the bread of heaven, it's like, you need, you need to consume what I'm, what I'm doling out. You need to take it in. You need to let it nourish you for a minute. You need to let it sustain you. Think of a little baby that has to have its mother's milk or formula. It starts to eat solid food. That baby's not thinking critically about the atonement theories, right? 
That baby's not wondering about heaven or hell. That baby's not wondering about how to bring about justice to marginalized communities. That baby is just trying to make it. I think Jesus is saying, you need to start consuming this way of thinking. You need to consume this way of doing life. Also, I'm the light of the world. I illuminate things for you. I illuminate the path you need to go down. I illuminate the blind spots that you have in your life because you need some course correction. You've been going in that way. I'm going to illuminate this path because you need to go down this one. I'm the light of the world. And so you can see Jesus saying, consume what I'm giving you. Head in this new direction. By the way, I'm the gate. So I'm going to keep some bad stuff from getting in. And also there's some really healthy stuff out there that I want you to be exposed to. So I'm the gate. I'm going to let you have some new experiences. They're going to be really good for you while also making sure that some things just don't happen because it's not a healthy plan. And sometimes I'm going to come in and I'm going to take you to a new pasture and it's going to be really green because I'm the good shepherd. And I'm going to feed you some more. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a deeper diet, right? We're going to dive in now. We're going to, we're going to start consuming a little bit more because I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to show you where you can go. I'm going to give you a, a path here. And then John writes that Jesus, that the Christ says, I am the resurrection and the life. So now that you've started to eat a little healthier, now that you're headed in a new trajectory, now that you've had some good exposure to healthy things and some bad things have been kept away, now that you've been led out into some greener pastures and you've started to, to interact with others that are healthy for you because you're not just one sheep all alone with Jesus, you're with the community, now let me tell you the, the real thing that's happening. It's all about resurrection. It's all about resurrection. I know you're headed on a good path now. I know we're going in the right direction. But let me just caution you for a minute. This is going to cost you everything. This is about to cost you everything. Because you don't get a resurrection without a death. Jesus doesn't show up to the tomb of Lazarus and go, Y'all don't worry. I got it. This one's on me. Sorry I was late. I know what Martha said, that if I was here earlier, he would have never died. She's right. I do miracles. So I'm sorry I wasn't here earlier. Let me just go knock on that tomb. He'll come out. Jesus doesn't show up that way. Jesus shows up in the shortest verse in the whole Bible happens. Two words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He can't avoid the pain can't avoid the suffering, the sorrow, the anguish. Jesus doesn't avoid it by just saying, don't worry, resurrection, we got this, it's okay. Nope, Jesus says, I'm here. I'm present to the tragedy, to the suffering, to the grief, to the pain. I am present to it. I'm here. And yes, in this moment, a resurrection will happen. In all the other moments, in all the other moments, we have to trust that resurrection is still happening. And so Jesus comes and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now that you're headed in this direction, now that we're going in the right way, be ready. Suffering's coming, but don't worry. We're going to move towards resurrection. And here's what resurrection looks like. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You need to keep flowing in this relationship. You need to keep moving with me because it's going to be hard. You're going to want to run. You're going to want to flee. Because when I get arrested and I get beaten, they put a crown of thorns on my head. They start mocking me. You're going to think, what in the world did we get ourselves caught up in? I'm out of here. When it all falls apart and you think that, man, I've been praying all my life. Why did this happen to me? I've been doing all the right things. Why did this happen to me? I tried to do this and this and this. Why did this happen to me? 
you still have to trust that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you have to keep going. Christ is the way, the truth, the life. You have to keep going even when resurrection doesn't feel like it's ever coming. And how do you do that? You abide in the vine. That one's a little bit more mystical. We talked about that a couple weeks ago or last week. It's a little bit more of a mystery. What is that vine all about? And it, basically, it's this. It's a relationship. There's a grapevine. We're the branches. Christ is the root, the vine, the main stem, and there is no life outside of that. How do you get attached to it? You abide in it. It's a relationship. You abide in Christ as Christ abides in you. There's a connection. If you're confused, download the podcast. Listen to it next, tonight, whatever you want. The whole point is that as we embrace the idea of resurrection, we recognize there's suffering, there's death, but it moves towards resurrection. We trust that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We have to abide in Christ. And that abiding is not just something where it's like, oh, I'll do that like, I don't know, a few times here and there. I'll check it off my to-do list for today. Abiding, think of it like a healthy, healthy marriage where that other person is not your other half. You're 100% in and they're 100% in. It's not 50-50. It's all in, all in. And you are serving each other. You are loving each other. You are fully in. Their, their, their wants, needs, and desires are your wants, needs, and desires. You're finding ways to complement each other, ways to help each other, ways to serve each other. You wake up and you're like, oh, I just want to serve this person. I want to make their life better because I know if I make their life better, my life will have more meaning and purpose. My life will be better because they're doing the same thing for me and we flow together. You want that person to express the best of who they are. Even if that means that you don't do it with them, you just trust, hey, go do that thing you're passionate about because it brings life and it brings joy and it brings more love into the world and brings more justice. Go do that thing. Support one another. Love each other. Abiding in Christ is recognizing that you in Christ are one. Christ lives and moves and takes up residence in you and through you, that you become the hands and feet of Christ. Christ is the vine and you are the branches. You are the offspring. You are the fruit of what Christ is up to because Christ is moving through you. The first point I wanted to make about the resurrection is that it's the divine pattern. It's the way things are. It's the way God intends things to operate. That good is possible, even when it doesn't look like it. Even if we don't experience it ourselves, good is possible. God is still up to something. I love what James Cone writes in the book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. The gospel of Jesus is not a rational concept to be explained in a theory of salvation. But it's a story about God's presence in Jesus' solidarity with the oppressed which led to his death on the cross. What is redemptive is the faith that God snatches victory out of defeat, life out of death, and hope out of despair. Death and resurrection are the divine pattern. Second thing I want to highlight, God's presence is the animating reality. Think of it this way. It's like God's playing chess. We all know God's winning. It's just a matter of how many moves it's going to take. It's just a matter of how many moves. Are we joining God in this beautiful chess game so that we move towards winning? Because love wins in the end. Resurrection happens. Relationships can be healed. 
people's stories can be told and we can learn from them. God is up to something and God is not done. The presence of God is the animating reality. The question is, are we joining God in that reality? Are we joining God in that movement towards heaven coming to earth? Are we joining God in resurrection? Because resurrection didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. Resurrection won't just happen at the end of all of this, but resurrection is happening. Will you pray with me? God of resurrection, we trust that that is the flow. We trust that that is the way. We trust that that is what you are always, always up to, that you are up to that in creation itself, that you are up to that in our lives, our relationships, that you are up to that in our culture and society, that you look at the way we organize ourselves, the way we do systems, the way that we do justice, the way that we do relationship, and you say, I have intention to see this flow and to see this become something beautiful. God, may we trust that that is the divine pattern. And God, may we also recognize and trust that even though we want resurrection, suffering is a part of it. Give us the courage. Give us the bravery. Give us the steadfastness to hold on to our faith when life gets hard. To turn to our neighbor and say, can you hold faith for me when I can't hold it anymore? To look around and say, even though there's no evidence that this is going anywhere healthy, I want to trust and I need to trust that God is still up to something because love will win. Justice will come. May we be people of love and justice and peace. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So we are a community here at Peace that is reconciling and growing for everyone. And we emphasize all those words, except maybe the word and um, in that sentence. So we are reconciling. And what that means for us is that we try to remove the barriers that get in the way of healthy relationship. We want to remove the things that block us from healthy relationship with others, that block us from healthy relationship within ourselves, that block us from healthy relationship with God, and that block us from healthy relationship with all of creation. This thing that God created that we are invited into should hum and flow and so often we look around our world and it doesn't. And so we want to be reconcilers that remove the barriers that get in the way of that hum and that flow. We also know that in order to do that, we have to grow. We can't just stay where we're at. We can't just be okay with the status quo. We can't be okay with what we know now. But we have to be people that are willing to grow, to think critically, to have deep conversation, to have shallow conversation that leads to deep conversation. We have to be willing to be people who grow. And we do that here in this community by doing book studies, Bible studies, by coming on Sunday morning and being challenged to think critically about our faith. We do it by listening to one another's stories out in the commons and just rubbing off on one another and hearing each other's story. So we challenge you and we invite you to be people who are, are reconcilers and who are willing to grow. And we do that for everyone, no matter who you love, no matter what you look like, no matter your background, no matter what you've been through, no matter who you are, we want to be for you. 
And when we say we're for you, that means we want to come alongside and help you no matter where you are in life's journey. If you're on a mountaintop, we want to celebrate with you. We want to be able to say amen and let's keep going. If you are in the lowest valley, we want to come alongside and say, how can we serve, support? How can we help you in this moment? We are for everyone. And we trust and know that God is for everyone. So a few ways that our community likes to connect and gather and hang out and and live into these values. One of them is a really fun one. Every month we do a family game night. It's not just for families. It's for the church families, for the community. It's just a family game night. We all come together as a group. Everyone brings a little something to share. We provide some desserts and drinks. We gather in the fellowship hall over there, and we just enjoy playing games. There's a ping pong table. We got foosball. We have air hockey. People do board games, all kinds of fun stuff. I got to remember to bring chess. I forgot last time, but I know my little one wanted to play chess, and so um, we're going to make sure that we bring that next time. So family game night is next Sunday, so you're here this Sunday. Come back next Sunday. Come to church, and then come Sunday evening on the 16th at 5 o'clock and we'll be hanging out together. As soon as the outdoor fire pit is cleared of snow and cleaned up, we're gonna be grilling hot dogs all summer long and spending time outside enjoying the outdoor space. So keep those, uh, keep those things on your calendar. Another thing happening next Sunday night is our Encore group, which is our youth group. So if you're a middle schooler or a high school student, you can hang out with Amanda, who's going to be up here doing the call to worship in a minute. We gather uh, twice a month, the first and the third Sunday, and just spend time talking about things that are important to us, the hard things in life, the exciting things in life, just kind of going on the journey together. We, we love the idea of the young people connecting and sharing a little life with each other, having Amanda and others rub off on them. We know that The more adults that are in students' lives, the more likely they are to be successful. They need touch points. And so we are excited to have uh, this this ministry, this group that gathers uh, a couple times a month. If you're curious about any past messages or future messages, we have a podcast called Peace, the podcast. If you want to catch up on the series that we're in, because this is actually sermon number seven on a series that we've been doing. And so if you want to go back and say, man, I was really interested in this thing he said, but I don't know the context of it, you can just download the podcast, subscribe to it, and you can go back and listen to past messages, um, not only from this series, but also series past. Peace Prayers is an opportunity for us to pray with each other and to pray for each other. So we know that there are needs in our community. We also know there are things that we want to celebrate in our community. And so every Tuesday, really usually Wednesday or Thursday, I send out an email. It's called the Tuesday News on a Wednesday. And so we send out Tuesday News, and in there, there's a link to Peace Prayers. That's an opportunity for you to publicly say, here's what I need prayer for. And so we just invite you to fill out the form, and then I'll, I'll type it out and put it on the email, and that way everyone can be um, in prayer together. And we've had a number of really meaningful things that we've been praying for as a community because we know that there are some needs in, 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 this, in this community and, and people connected to this community. So we want to be praying for one another. Starting next week, I'm going to be doing a series called Out of the Box and Outside the Lines. Out of the Box and Outside the Lines. So often as humans, we want to understand things, control things. We want to know how they work. And oftentimes, God is maybe the one that sets it up that way and says, here's how I want it to go. Here's how it should look. And then sometimes humanity likes to do it on its own and create its own box and to create its own way of doing things. And God says, "Mm, I'm going to think outside the box for a moment. I'm going to color outside the lines. And so we're going to be looking at passages of scripture, stories in the Bible where God is coloring outside the lines and how that may apply to our circumstances right here, right now in 2023. 
because we know that there are many things in our community, in our society, in our culture, where we have to rethink how things work. We have to rethink how we do this life together because it's not working for everyone. It might be working for people that are privileged, might be working for those that are well off, but it's not working for everyone. And so we may have to color outside the lines. We may have to think outside the box. And so we're going to challenge one another to do that because we know that that's what God is up to and we trust that God's up to that. So may the God of the cross and the resurrection be with you. May the God who says, I am not done yet. May the God who says, this this is the way it's meant to be. You're going to go through this, but we're going to come out the other side with joy. We're going to come out the other side with resurrection. May we be people who not simply believe it, but we live it. May you be people of love. May you be people of joy. May you be people of justice. May you be people of peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.